this day. Uh, some of you may be familiar with this song. Uh, you know, I learned it in uh, Bible school. Uh, you know that I bought it. I am going to kind of sing, so I apologize uh, in advance if we hear the neighborhood gospel off. Uh, remember, it's a joyful noise. Not always on tune, but a joyful noise. Uh, it went something like this. Rejoice in the Lord always again. I say rejoice. Anybody else know that one? All right. Some of you do. And when you finish singing, it, it, we were told to clap twice. So it would be rejoice in the Lord always again. I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always again. I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice again. I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice again. I say rejoice. See, that's, a, that's what comes out of our text this morning where Paul, in the fourth chapter of Philippians, says, starts this in chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. And so therefore, finally, brothers and sisters in the Lord, I say to you, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, Whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God who is peace, the God of peace, will be with you. Simple words. Words that there are many songs that would go with it. But words that we must be reminded of this day. Words that remind us that when, whenever we are commanded to do something in Scripture, it is not primarily an emotion. It is an action. I've always taken heart and comfort that, that Scripture never says for me to be happy. I can't always control happiness. It's a feeling. But I can be joyful. And, and it's remarkable that Paul would say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice if you understand the context of the book of Philippians. Some of you may, and some of you may not. And so, just want to real quickly remind us that Philippians is known as a prison letter. It is a letter from prison to the church in Philippi. So when Paul gives us these words in Philippians 4, it's not because all is necessarily well. He is in a situation that seems contrary to the commands he's going to do. And so it isn't just something that says, hey, do as I say, but not as I do. In fact, uh, as we got at the end of it, you may remember the words echoing in your ears as I said them. Whatever you have seen or heard from me, put into practice. 
There's a part of the Christian faith where we must remember that faith is taught, not just taught. What are you contagious with? What do you have that others may get when it comes to things of faith? The reality is, is that a lot of us, according to those who left the church or those who are in a part of church, are saying there is a lack of joy on Christ's followers. There's a lack of gentleness and kindness. There's a lack of thanksgiving and generosity among people who claim to be followers of Jesus. Now I say that's a gospel issue. And Paul is going to bring this out. There are many, many people that what they have caught from the church are not these things. I was reminded of it this week as I had conversations with those outside the church as I find myself in sometimes very interesting places. And sometimes uh, I, I turned to Alicia and I said, I don't know how I get myself into these places. I really don't. I don't go seeking some of these. But I had a conversation with someone who basically asked me, I've yet to respond, I'm prayerfully considering whether I respond, asked me about, they, they admit it wasn't something they saw from me, but they said, there, there are other so-called Christians and colleagues of yours who will hit people when they're down. Who will keep on an abuse. And they go, how do you defend that? I, I don't. I can't. I won't. Yet this is what's emanating out from the church. And there are, there are times when people will say, I don't know of a Christian who will sit down and listen to my viewpoints. They're really quick at just telling me why I am wrong. Now there are absolute truths. There are things that are right and wrong, but if people don't think that Christ's followers will sit and have a conversation with them, they will not hear the gospel. They cannot hear the gospel. What do we have that is contagious? And we may say, well, well but the, the world is against us. Yes. There, there are times when, when the world is going to only get worse and worse. But guess what? So was the case at the, in, in Philippi. We're not that much different. And Paul is reminding us that there are things of thanksgiving that will be contagious towards others. And what are those things? And in my brief time this morning, I hope to remind us of, of the truth that Paul brings out here in, in, in Philippians 4. And it, and it starts there in verse 4, and it emanates all throughout. It says, Rejoice where? In the Lord always. We must be in the Lord. When we are captured by the grace of Jesus, by the mercies of God, when we are controlled by the Holy Spirit,
Spirit, it isn't about where we find ourselves in. It is always in the Lord. Because when we are in the Lord, as Paul would say earlier in the book, he says, I'm in prison, but now I'm even more bold than the gospel of Jesus. Those don't go hand in hand. When we are in the Lord, we, we can say, my circumstances aren't great, but there's something greater than what I find myself in. Because let's be honest, the holidays are not always easy. They can be downright difficult. For many reasons. Paul isn't trying to say, just smooth over the circumstances. Smooth over what's going on. We can't go into this holiday season and think and act like everything's okay when there's a portion of us that says not everything is okay. But we cannot just look at our own surroundings. We can say there is, there is something about being in Christ that makes things different. I can live fully in reality. But I might not be very grateful this thanksgiving. But I have someone who's above my thanksgiving. I can be in the Lord there. Some of you are going into families which, let's just be honest, they're not, pretty, they're not safe gatherings. Where, where you look for any reason to not be there. You know? Because you have those that don't listen. Aren't joyful. Where you will hear about everything that you have done wrong. I'm reminded of my great aunt, uh, you know, my grandmother's sister, uh, dear lady, uh, Aunt Sarah, uh, was her name. Uh, every time we would go down there and, and say and see them, and we typically did it, uh, you know, uh, spring break time. Uh, my grandmother used to come up here uh, for the uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving. My my great aunt Sarah, one of the things you could guarantee she would talk about is what you weigh. And she would go, oh, it looks like you put on a couple pounds. Now, let me tell you, my great aunt Sarah wasn't skinny either. Okay? But that ain't a relative you want to go into, though, and say, oh, how are you good to see you? Wow, I think you're a little bigger than you were last Thanksgiving. Now, let's go have her. Extra helping to mash potatoes and rolls for me, please. You know, I, I didn't particularly feel close to Aunt Sarah, but I did love my Aunt Rosalie, my great Aunt Rosalie. Now, she worked, I think it was for Albert Biverman or J.C. Penney when they had the cosmetic counters in, in particular. Uh, so I didn't always particularly care for her smell uh, because it had lots of uh, stuff. But Aunt Rosalie was almost the difference of Aunt Sarah. And Aunt Rosalie, she'd come in, you'd get a hug, and then without without fail, she'd reach into her purse, and she had cookies. <laughs> you know, it didn't matter what I weighed or didn't weigh or what, what she always had. And there was a sense of joy that would emanate out. Who do you think people would want to? But the answer of these. Not just because they had you know, could you fill that out? Because sometimes we have to remember that when we are, uh, you know, that joy and thanksgiving grow in community. You know, we're in, living in a world where we have to remember that sometimes 
People have to start to belong to a community before they will believe in the beliefs of the community. And they don't have to believe 100% the quote-unquote right things in order to be, to be present with the group. They become present with the group and sooner or later beliefs may come. This is, I think, one of the beauties of our Wednesday night Food for the Soul ministry now. People can come and start to form relationships and then they can become part of something else or start to sense Jesus. But I guess the question we have to ask even on Wednesday nights is what are we contagious with? I would say it's a whole lot of fun on Wednesday nights in spite of Larry uh, down at the corner. No. Larry, there's a lot of joy. You know, there's a lot of laughter. And there's a lot of energy in that big room, right, Sarah? You know, you're here on Wednesday night. There's a lot of energy and sometimes a lot of kids in with it. You know? And that rubs off. Sometimes what people need to see of Jesus first is Jesus' followers able to sit at the same table with somebody. Nope. You know this is partially what Jesus did. It also got him in trouble. He would eat with tax collectors and sinners. He would sit down at the tables with others where some of his greatest teachings were there at the table. And we need to be reminded and if we want to grow in thanksgiving, if we want to grow in joy, being around others that are joyful and thankful, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to stay there long, maybe. But you're not going to grow in thanksgiving at Because thanksgiving grows best in community. Then, and he says in here also, and this is part of it, verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. See, you're only known as gentle if you interact with people. And, and part of the word here is let your long suffering be evident to all. Your gentleness, your meekness. There's this understanding in the context of the church of Philippi that the church was being pulled. They were being prodded to, to respond to the persecution they were going through. And Paul is saying, be gentle again and again and again. Stand for truth, but let your gentleness be evident to all. In the devotions, if you will do them this week, you can find those in our app, on our website, or in the handout for those of you in person here. It, there's this passage from Isaiah 53 about the Lord's servant, servant uh, a prophecy of Jesus, the Messiah, where he talks about his gentleness being evident that when he was accused falsely, he didn't fight back. Christ follows in a world that is going to continually to change and probably not for the better. There may be times ahead where we are going to be pulled and we are going to be prodded and we are going to have to fight everything about in us against taking back and striking back. We must learn gentleness to be evident. Well, on not just what we say, but how we say it. What we put out there 
and what we do not put out there. I think of the words believed in Colossians where Paul would say, be wise towards how you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity to proclaim the good news of Jesus. We must be wise. Prayer is key. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present to request God. Verse 6. And we look at this and most of us probably uh, have this idea, and I think it's mostly correct, the idea of do not be anxious and we think of the words of Jesus, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow has enough worries of its own. And that's a great thing, but I don't believe actually the more I've studied this, but that's really what Paul was talking about here. I think it's appropriate, I think it is true, and I think there's a portion of it that that is a, what I would call a secondary meaning of this verse. The word anxious here isn't just anxious as you and I know it. It's not just worry about things. A better passage that I think Paul has in mind here, as he was taught, is found in Matthew 10, 19. You may want to write that down. Where he says in that passage of Matthew 10, 19, in the, in the parallel in Luke, I believe, 12, where he tells the disciples, there are coming a time when you will be brought before powers to be. And he says, in that time, do not worry, do not be anxious, about what you will say, but the Spirit will give you the words to say. This is an anxiety that isn't just about life events. This is an anxiety about when persecution comes. What do I say? What do I not say? And in a church that is having pressures from the outside, that is what they need to hear. It's not just don't worry about the food you're going to eat later. They needed to worry about that baby. And I think it's true. If we, if we substitute anxieties for prayer, we can get peace. And we need to see that. But how many times will we go to God and we won't lift our anxieties there? We won't pray when things are rough. Or we forget that when we pray, we aren't even just grateful, maybe, for the fact that we can approach the throne of grace. That because of who Christ is, there is a path to the throne of grace. And sometimes we just need to be faithful about many things. And then he says, the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds. This is a military battlefield wording of God. This is the Holy Spirit will give you a sense and will, if we allow the Holy Spirit, if we will allow ourselves to be in the Lord, then there will be a guard that stands foot and it will swap back some things. But we have to do this by what? Prayer. That's why prayer is essential to the believer's life. It isn't an add-on. It is essential. And don't you need somebody to guard your heart and mind at times? <clears throat> I love some of the images I see on social media. Some others I don't. Some of the images where there, you know, there's uh, maybe uh, one animal and it's 
firmly grasping the mouth of another one. And there's normally a phrase that says, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit telling me to keep my mouth shut. You know, type of thing. Sometimes that's what we need. We need the Spirit of God in us to say, oh, no, 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 no. Don't say that. You don't, no, really. Don't say that. You know, and sometimes wouldn't it be nice if we did have a true person who kind of just went, boom, boom, boom. You know, what would happen if we had that? Some of us would bite it. Oh, they deserve this. They may deserve it unless you're just going to be evidence at all. But I really feel I need to say it. I'm going to pray about that. And let the peace of God that surpasses understanding guard your mouth and your heart. Because sometimes we will deal with people who will not be guarded in how they speak. And we've got to let the peace of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord guard the heart that we don't take it any more than what we need to take it. Which sometimes means not at all. The peace of God will guard us. And we need, we can do all these things when we realize the Lord is coming soon. Notice where Paul reorientates, reframes, transforms, changes their mindset. There is our Lord who is coming back again. I can choose even in the midst of the fact that there are many things I don't like about our world. And I know I tend to be an optimist, so I, I normally try to see the good. I hear things, I see things that if I wasn't, I'd be, I'd be awful. I, I, I try to take serious the words of Scripture that says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I can do that when I realize I have a Lord that hasn't forgotten me. I have a Lord that isn't slow in returning, but is gracious. I have a Lord that one day will make all things new. And I gotta look out for that. And that's why then Paul says that we gotta change our thinking. We gotta look for and think about the good. And he gives this list of things, and there's a portion of this. Where, where Paul is telling the church in Philippi, look outside into the world. But do you know how hard it is to look for the good in our world these days? You are always told you don't have something. Something else is wrong. Uh, as I may have said here, I, I, I quote a, a, an author in a study on goodness and kind of starting to wire happiness in our brains, I do believe that we could do if we look for and think about the good, as Paul says here in Philippians 4 8, is our brains are Velcro for the bad and Teflon for the good. And you think about it, you know, there's a lot of truth there. I can think about that because there is some truth in We are very easy to say the five things that have been wrong today instead of the seven things that have been good today. Think about that. How quickly are you to notice the good 
when you focus on what it has not been good. You want to have Thanksgiving change your thoughts for the good. Where have you seen something that was lovely? Like truly lovely. Yes, ma'am.
the work he had started someday. And so, church, we can be joyful in the midst of unhappy circumstances. We can be gentle when that one person or that five people come against you and they just keep poking and they keep poking and they keep poking and everything in you wants to say, I just want to give it to them. No. We can. How? Why? Because of Christ who is in us. All these things are possible when we are, quote, in the Lord. And this is what prayer grounds in the Lord. So I challenge, if you want to grow in thanksgiving and joy and gentleness, all things I think the world needs. In fact, in a book I am reading, a part of what will help be attracted to a generation of people who have left the church, a generation of people who are, do not know the church, is that Jesus' followers will be gentle, joyful, generous, and thankful. And then they'll be willing to hear the gospel of Jesus. That we will be able to teach them, but know this, they also catch it by how we live. The gospel is not just taught, it is taught. What are you contagiously? This holiday and Thanksgiving season. We pray with you, Father God, I thank you for this time. I ask now that you would continue to lead us every step of the way, that we would be in you, and that your peace would guard us. That your mind, our minds would be filled with the mind of Jesus. And then we would be able to look up and out and know that you are coming again soon so we can have joy in what will be happening, not just what may be happening in front of us. And then we will do the hard work of looking for the good, of looking for things that are true and honorable and praiseworthy and beautiful and lovely and excellent in a noble care. And we will think of those things, knowing by your grace and mercy, you guide us every step of the way. We thank you for that. And we pray this in the name, above all names, the name of the one who works in us for his will and his way, the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. As we conclude our time of formal worship, will you stand as we sing?